Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Tom, favorite movie candy. I'm going to go with Milk Duds for the same reason people hate Milk Duds. It gets stuck in your teeth, and I think that's a feature, not a bug, when you're sitting in a movie theater for three hours. I was a Juicy Fruit guy, also a, a dental challenge, but very partial to Milk Duds as well. However, controversially, I don't like a lot of food in the theater. If I'm in the theater, I don't want 
I don't want it behind me. I don't want it next to me. I don't know why people just can't eat for two hours. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, it's the movie drive-in special this week. We're down to 11 contestants. Not my favorite episode, to be perfectly honest, of the season. But curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, there, the, the competition is heating up. I do feel like we're seeing some fallibility among the big names right now. Some of our leaders sort of took it on the chin. A little parody emerging. Kevin, I loved this episode. I loved it. I thought it was my favorite episode since I can remember in a long time. I thought there was some really interesting conceptual ideas. I thought the the little Padma Hollywood segments heading into each challenge was just amazing. I loved the little drive-in aspect where you got to see these little pods and Tom and Padma. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it was, I thought it was really cute. I thought it was really fun. Um, the drama was, was amazing. Like I thought the voting, the voting factor, the team aspect I thought this was a jam-packed episode, and I loved it. Um, I also loved it because even though there were a lot of constraints, you got to see some of our juggernauts really struggle in this episode, um, and they didn't—they didn't need to do that. Like they, I think Shoda and Gabe, both I think coming into this episode were considered the faraway favorites, or at least Sarah in the, in that conversation too. And they really screwed up. And it wasn't a matter of the constraints in this episode. I think you can go in a lot of different directions with horror. That is a blank canvas. You can go in a lot of different directions and they just really, really sucked. And I thought um, this episode from start to finish was really fun and I'm curious to hear why you didn't like it, because I thought it was Top Chef at its finest. Yeah, I mean, and we'll get to to the Elimination Challenge after the Quickfire Challenge. In short is, I don't like team challenges that aren't really team challenges. Um, I don't like themes that are kind of a stretch where you're like, oh, yeah, action. Yeah, that's action. It's like, you know, I don't – I I kind of don't like the claustrophobia of the drive-in. I, I'm not – I, I didn't get a sense of the food. You know, they're sitting in these little cardboard things. Like it just, you know what I love is the great pan with the gorgeous plating and the soft focus of, mm. I, I'm just, it, it was, you know, I, I think you like the the little vignettes more than I did. I kind of thought they were hokey. Like <laughs> I just, I just wasn't feeling it. It just wasn't a great episode. I, I don't feel like there was, a, again, I, I'd also, from a competitive standpoint, I just don't like the the team challenges that aren't team challenges. I hear what you're saying. You know, it, I like it. Hey, you guys are in charge of a five course meal. You got to do it together. You got to plan a theme. It's really, and we'll, and we'll get, to, you know what? Let, let's, let's quickly go through the quick fire. Um, another clunker as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, um, I don't know. Maybe I was just grouchy when I watched it, but uh, by the way, I have rose water in my house. So, so that you had to have a mom inspired dish that includes um, roses or rose-flavored ingredients. I have rose flour in my house, rose flour water, for one dish that I make that requires it, which is a Suzanne Goyen beet salad with tangerines, and it does add this kind of really nice floral note. But by and large, I'm kind of with the folks that are like, eh. Um, by the way, aren't we a little one week early for a Mother's Day theme? Yes, we are. And I actually think with the Kentucky Derby coming up, the fact that when they do the uh, 
the winners, well, it's the run for the roses, right? The Kentucky Derby is this Saturday. You could have just flipped it and just been like, hey, we're going to do roses and also for your Mother's Day, but that's in two weeks. Why don't we just do roses uh, with Kentucky Derby coming out? They already did Top Chef Kentucky Derby style, but I was thinking the same thing was like, oh, wait. Did I forget to get my mom a gift here? And uh, Top Chef threw me for a loop here. That's exactly what I thought. Because my mom's coming to town shortly. And I (laughs) I was just like, oh, shit. But I was glad I have another week. By the way, you're so in the tank for the Derby. Tom, very few people care about the Derby. I know you have. Oh, come on. It's It's a national. with With your Kentucky roots. It's an American icon. Like how many more things are more Americana than than gambling on horses, getting drunk and dressing up? Very few, uh, and I'm I'm at a loss right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, after this recording, I'll have a really good answer uh, for what it, what is more American. Uh, so, <laughs> by the way, fun Top Chef trivia. I just Eric and I just finished a five season series called The Bureau. It's a French spy series, and in the final, or was it the second to final episode? Second to final episode, one of the main characters from season five, the last scene with his family, and I don't want to give a spoiler. Um, his wife and daughter in sort of a wistful scene where he's sort of taking inventory of his love for his family. They're on the couch watching Top Chef France as he comes in. And they're like, come sit down. We're watching Top Chef. And I had such a thrill because Top Chef plays a a prominent part in this rando French spy series that we've been watching, which, by the way, highly recommend if you're into that John le stuff kind of sprint french spy series really good the bureau but anyway just a little bit of trivia i wanted to get out there because so I, cool. I, was, I was so enchanted that that this thing i've been watching on the 49th out of 50 episodes there's top chef france the teenage son and the mom are just kind of giddily watching it they're so excited it's top chef france that was kind of the feeling i got kevin in this episode when jamie just randomly throws out a yao ming reference at the end did you catch that Yes, I did catch that. It was like the most random thing. It's like you're at the very end, just like you're with the, with the Bureau at the last episode of, of five seasons. You're just, you know, humming along. And then suddenly Jamie gives a shout out to the NBA just randomly. I was feeling the same way. So we'll get to that. But the Mother's Day, uh, the Mother's Day quick fire. I, I'm not very experienced in rose flower or, or, or rose flavor or rose water. Uh, I'm probably I'm sure I've probably had it. And when they talk about how this tastes a little bit like soap, you know, what immediately comes to mind is just cilantro. So it reminds me maybe I don't like rose water or rose flavored anything because it would might remind me of cilantro. I don't. I actually quite like it. You know what I like is a rose. I'm shocked no one did a rose macaroon. Mm. Because, like, that's where you see it most prominently. Like, also, the farmer's market yogurt folks always have rose yogurt. And it's actually kind of nice. It, it's, like, if you like those desserts that I like with the sort of floral notes and with the yogurty kind of stuff, like, it is – I don't find it offensive at all. I, I just don't know that it's a terribly interesting thing to watch people cook with. Um, so Chris wins again. Chris kind Chris. of is on this little win streak. He makes a Haitian labuya, cornmeal porridge, candied pistachios, knocks it out of the park. Uh, Byron and Gabe also find themselves on top. By the way, Eric, uh, calling you Eric, that's that's kind of it's, You do it every week. It's fine. I do it every week. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you live with someone after not living with someone for 25 years. Uh, <laughs> Byron is kind of emerging. You, you have got the scorecard, but I imagine that Byron has accumulated as many points in the last few weeks. Also did well in the Elimination Challenge, which we'll discuss, but mm-hmm. Byron's sort of kind of going upper middle these days. You know, like he's a solid kind of upper middle performer 
He is. He is. He's really he's really showing out. And one of our last picks in the pa- Pack Your Knives annual draft, Byron, really showing in a great performance here in the top three. You know, I I, I noticed a lot of people were using pistachio here. Uh, Sarah did, I believe, and uh, Byron did, and Chris wins with some pistachio with his porridge and corn. It's milk. a nice contrast with Rose. Like it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, I thought that was interesting. And Shota, speaking of your desserts that you like, he does a mochi ball with yeah. uh, with Rose. I'm sure you were just you were like, I want to try that. That 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 would have been the thing I tried. But by the way, I love the sort of the the elevated crab Louis salad that you see at a lot of places. Um, that Byron did. I I love that dish, like a really where it's just like that, like that slight creaminess, not too mayonnaisey, more kind of a sour cream, a cleaner thing. I, I love like a good elevated crab salad. It's one of my favorite appetizers or salads. You know, when you go to a place, do you think Avishar is at a real disadvantage here because he hates the flavor of whatever ingredient it is? So he can't. He bans rose water from his restaurant, Avishar. And I'm wondering, do you think that's like a, a huge disadvantage or do you think it's just like, you know, it's just like anything? No, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge disadvantage. I mean, you and I cooking with cilantro would be like, I don't want to do that. Um, and also you're just, you have like bad energy with your own food. Like, I don't think it's like, you know how, like when you're working on a story and you hate your story, right? Like, like it, it just, it, it infuses the entire project with gloom. I would say the right analogy would be like, if you hate the subject, or maybe like you interview someone and you're like that just no I don't like this person. Oh no no I disagree I, I disagree like there you, you there has to be some valence one way or the other, and like it's fun when you just like kind of dis- if you're doing a hit piece too especially it's like really fun. <laughs> well I I thought it was interesting Chris did wins this this challenge using Haitian food which is what he tripped up on earlier in the season so it was really cool to see that um, the confidence is really uh, breathing showing through here for Chris. Uh, in the bottom, Sarah, Maria, and Nelson. Um, Nelson just can't get his footing up until this point. Uh, Maria, middle middle Maria has been, uh, you know, in the bottom here. Sarah with a clunker with that 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 salad. Um, didn't really work. She wanted to get, um, she wanted to get buttermilk. There was no buttermilk. So the rose, the rose dynamic was very forgettable for you. I, I didn't hate it as much, but Amar revealing later that he doesn't eat vegetables is I Amar is emerging as my favorite character in this season. I just love everything about him. He's 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 great. I've been pleasantly surprised because he was neither fish nor fowl for me as a contestant. Like I wasn't, and he has been delightful. <laughs> the licking of plates, the confessions of only eating beige food, basically. <laughs> um, it's it's been fun, and uh, I, I I by the way. I, I'm really into this sort of legends of Top Chef yeah. uh, rotating judges. Like I, it's my favorite thing right now about this season. I love seeing because you know it's, it's that thing that happens on reality shows where the contestants start to be so informed by previous competitions. And so you might as well just own that and like just now we have we're far enough in 18 years where you have like we've known Blaze forever. I'm saying we as viewers. I mean, you yeah. and I haven't known yeah. Blaze forever. Uh, but like we all have known, if you're a fan of this show, to see chefs basically graduate into middle age from like 29-year-old chef punks is has been really fun. And I, I hope they continue this. It's not that I don't have, you know, you can bring the... You can bring the, the the notable credentialed chef who happens to live in the city and 
that's fine, and sometimes those folks are good. Look, I love seeing Nancy Silverton anytime I can see Nancy Silverton. Some of them really have a gift for the judgeship, but I kind of – I want the contest former contestants there because they get it. They just get it. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I liked this – and now we can transition to the, the elimination challenge. Richard Blaze comes in, and we just missed the mark. We had Blaze last week. We should have Blaze for this week because he was yeah. doing – he was hosting the drive-in uh, challenge. There's 50 cars of movie buffs coming in. And I, this is why I like this, this challenge so much is because not only did you have, Hey, we gotta, we gotta create movie food, which everyone has, has experienced doing that and what works and what doesn't as a, as a something sitting in your seat and and you want to, you know, crunch or you want some sweet watching the, the movie, but also there's this curveball of weather, the weather comes, the rain just starts pouring and it's just another element that they have to deal with. They have to deal with the elements of, of rain and just cooking in these scenarios. I thought it was real drama. Um, and the other thing I really liked about this, Kevin, you hit it on the head with, I love watching these, these top chef legends on the show. I kind of liked watching them hang out in their cars. And like, I was thinking in my head, which car would I want or which, who would I want to hang out with? And you got to see coming that, some of that chemistry when Melissa is looking over to Padma and Tom and saying like, oh, we kind of like the, the popcorn. You didn't like that? And there's, I just, I don't know. I liked the little pods of, of independent thinking. So you kind of didn't have that group think of we're all sitting at the dining room table and we're all exchanging our ideas and our reviews. I kind of liked the aspect of, each car was kind of like its own in- independent review station. So you didn't have the group think of them all sitting at a dining room. I just love that dynamic. Um, and yes, the whole like six different genres of movies was a little contrived. But it also, I think, made the chefs have to get really creative, Kevin. And we always – I know we both have subscribed to the idea that you should come up with your concept first – and then come up with the story that attaches to the the challenge, right? You don't want to overthink the challenge and then forget about the dish. You want to come up with the dish and then really thread the needle on how it connects to the genre. So, Kevin, what were the six uh, six genres of movies uh, that they had to that they had to break into groups for? Right. We had comedy, drama, action, sci-fi, horror, and romance. Uh, what was interesting about the judges is. They sort of gave a couple of different directions, right? Like, okay, this is going to be eaten in a car. I don't want it to be messy. Nobody wants that sort of their hands covered in in, in schmutz. And also there's the theme aspect, right? Like the dish should conform to the genre. However, I noticed when it came time to judge, they valued the user friendliness of the dish a lot more than conforming to the genre thing, which is interesting because oftentimes you hear this was an X challenge and you didn't execute X. Um, And it's also why Mm. like I'm kind of completely confused as to there was a very specific direction. Don't make it messy. And then people go out and almost (laughs) intentionally select messy sloppy yeah like 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 chris who had immunity by the way which was great um you know by the way you talk about the weather i think he got hurt the worst because if you can't light a charcoal grill you're not going to get smoke and flavor infused in your meat um and i I thought he was the one most hurt i thought maria was going to take it on the chin with the trying to make bread in the rain (laughs) she she i think she's actually she didn't win i thought she was the best story of the night um in, in terms of growth in terms of risk reward um, taking it on. Also, I love Sonoran hot dogs. When you go to Phoenix, like 
they're great. It's just um, it's a it's a great fun hangover uh, just junk food dish. But yeah, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I never like when they're matched up against each other, but it's a team thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. we saw just how obnoxious Gabriel is, and and what I see. I like that. Me- I like that. You kind of it, it breathes in the per, the personality, kind of rises to the surface when if they're just cooking independently, you don't realize you get a little bit more layers of of Gabe or Gabriel. But that's also what made me even more kind of annoyed by by his abrasiveness is what do you care? It's not like you're going to be judged on a team based on an ensemble of food, right? Like it's not really a team challenge. I like the bossiness and I like measuring the bossiness when everyone's accountable to each other, but like. What do you care what she cooks? And and what we're referring to is obviously, you know, Jamie wants to do White Castle, which I think is great. Like yes. I, I thought a slider would be smart. It would be actually very portable and non-messy uh, mm-hmm. potentially. And they are kind of – and also you have Harold and Kumar if you want to do like the way Byron did Kentucky Fried Movie, which was the nod. Yep. Uh, this could have been Harold and Kumar, which is a comedy, a, a great stoner comedy. And so – I just wanted to say to Gabriel, what do you care? You're not – this isn't a multi-course meal that has to be unified in, in theme and in, 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 in sort of vibe. And so yeah. that's what I got me. It's just like, oh, screw you. You're – I don't like micromanagers. Yeah, and also and, – and I get that. I totally get that because I was a little bit confused and we'll get to the scoring of this episode. Uh, I want to discuss that with you. But the, the fact that – Jamie didn't stand up for herself more in that moment and secondly didn't stand up for herself during the judges table and been like look I had this great concept and then here comes in Gabriel and basically squashes it and he's not the captain of our team and yet he he poo-pooed my idea of doing the 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 white castle and then she gets she gets thrown in the bottom 3 and I thought she was going to kind of blast him but she didn't which I guess there's some honor in that um but look I want to talk about Top Chef Stats real quick here. TopChefStats.com. We talked about it with Blaze last week. It's an amazing resource for analytics on Top Chef. And one of the things I thought about was Chris's move to join Team Yellow, or at least the team that had Shoda and Sarah on the squad. Kevin, what did you think about his choice there? Because I thought actually it was interesting that – um he looked at the best contestants on that team, Team Yellow with Jamie, uh, sorry, G- Jamie, Gabriel, Shoda, and Sarah. But I actually think in this instance, Kevin, when you're looking at two rosters, two teams in a team competition, right? Are you looking for who is the best, the top end talent, or are you looking at the low end talent that might drag your team down? Because Gabriel here might have been the low floor player. In the sense that he's got the the team dynamic, he's bossy. I actually think he should have gone over to the team green because a Gabriel does not work very well with teams. So I think it's two different questions, right? Like for this particular challenge, it literally does not matter for him, right? Uh, and it's not even you're gonna. It's not even all that collaborative. So it's not even who will let, who will annoy me less. And I would probably go with. Um, I, I would just go with the team I want to spend more time with for the next four hours with these people. Um, and, and generally I, I think a bad apple like ruins the whole, like I, I just one bad person in a social scene is just like, it kind of brings it down for everyone. So it doesn't matter. Now, if I'm Chris and I don't have immunity, right. And now there's a little bit of a factor in the sense that 
Am I, you know, it, it's funny. One of the sources of confusion about this episode was I thought going in traditionally in this scenario, only a chef from the losing team can go home. It doesn't matter how terrible your dish is. If you are on the winning team, you essentially are safe. That was true though, right? But I got the sense they were considering Shota, right? Like when they got around to judging the three worst dishes, you know, they were essentially, you know, they were they were looking at Jamie. They were looking at Gabriel for his cauliflower tots. Bleh, who wants that? And then they were kind of talking Shota who won. I'm sorry. I, I got confused there. Uh, what I was saying is like if you win your matchup, how is it possible you're going home? And, and so right. but my point is, is that I, I guess you want to be on the team you think because win because that way you'll be protected. You're, you got immunity on the winning team, essentially. Right. So I guess. I don't know. I still go with Shota, Sarah. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Nelson, Gabriel's been reason cooking reasonably well. I think he's on the top half of the standings. He's gotten some, I think, some Ws. He hasn't done a lot bad, whereas I think the other team... Although, yeah, Don Strong. I just I just look at Gabriel. I'm like, I don't want to have any part with Gabriel's team because I have already had challenges, team group challenges, where Gabriel's is a micromanager, and I don't want to deal with that. No, and that, that would be my first thing, which is like, hey, if it doesn't matter, it, like for this challenge, I would have just avoided Gabriel because like I don't want to have to listen to that guy. Yeah. Like I, I just don't. He's to me in terms of who do you want to – in the who do you want to not be stuck in an elevator with – of the eleven, the other ten other contestants, if I'm Chris, like the answer is Gabriel. It's, I don't want to be stuck in an elevator with him. Are you sure you want to go to the fifth floor? I, I would say you should go to the fourth floor, Kevin, and and then maybe take the flight of stairs. That's good for your health, Kevin. If you if you go fl- take a flight of stairs, uh, what what kind of what kind of uh, you know deodorant is like? You should probably change that deodorant. I don't think you should probably wear that deodorant. Did you know that it's better to have an antiperspirant than it? Like you would probably micromanage your 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 time in the in the elevator. Yeah, I just don't like. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I don't want to. Like, I, I very much. I think sometimes this competition comes down to like who can you tolerate the most, especially these team competitions that aren't really team competitions. Um, 
there were some surprises. I mean, let, let's go through it. I mean, obviously, I, Byron comes out of the gate, Korean fried chicken and gochujang with – and it just – everybody loves it. He's able to get around the messy factor by putting little toothpicks, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of has a wedding appetizer sort of feel to it. And, uh, you know, it's a winner. Everybody loves it. He's – Tom – you know, he had a nice quick fire win where he showed some technique with a baklava with a goat cheese ice cream. Uh, you remember with the brioche and the, yep. and the date jam? Like, he's got some tools in the toolbox. And I think I have certainly underestimated him. Yeah, he's he's got highbrow. He's got the fine dining, Aspen, Hamptons background, right? But he can go lowbrow too. Like, he's got – he just did uh, Korean chicken nuggets. He did Korean chicken nuggets and won the fucking challenge. Like that is impressive. Like he's got range where he you think maybe Byron, ah, I don't know if he's he's able to compete, but this guy is coming out with extreme range, versatility, and I did not think he was going to win this challenge. I knew it was a uh, uh, um, applause across the board, but I didn't know if it was that great. Um, and that creative, but considering the constraints, and I think the the reason why the sloppiness factor was such a big deal in this episode is because of the sponsorship. Kevin BMW is sponsoring the episode and wanted to play up the factor the fact that uh, that they you don't want to spill all over the beautiful massage chairs inside this X six M, um, and so I think they're playing that up a little bit, and so I think maybe that toothpick, the little uh, spear that he was eating, you got to eat the chicken nuggets with actually was maybe a defining factor for him. Jamie with the chicken wings. I'm so upset because Gabriel made her make chicken wings or at least steered her in the way of making chicken wings. It was not working that you could tell in the back room. I actually like this dynamic that the people who are in the cars could watch on the television screen what was happening behind the scenes. And that was the movie that was playing on the projector screen. I like that aspect. But you could see that the the chicken wings just were not working from start to finish. Um, and that was comedy. I liked the comedy swing that she tried to go for more so than Byron, but Byron, you know, it didn't seem to matter. He wins the, he wins the round. Well, as if the getting her off of White Castle wasn't bad enough, they're telling her how long to fry the, like, like I imagine the Vietnamese chicken wing is sort of an iconic, uh, somewhat of an iconic appetizer. And I think in her restaurant. Like, why are you micromanaging? What do you care? Like, again, this is sort of a quasi-team challenge. Why are you telling your chef? Yeah, this is where I just think, as a chef, you kind of just have to tell people to screw off. Like, you just, like, like leave me the freak alone. And, and also, Gabriel hasn't – he's been a good chef in this competition, but he really hasn't earned the authority <laughs> yeah. to do that. Like, I, I think it's he one- He did cauliflower tater tots. You know, if you're going to be bossy around, like at least come through with like a home run dish. And he, and he- Right. I mean, like, like, like you haven't earned, you know, you haven't earned the station in this competition to kind of do that. So, yeah, I, I mean, Byron wins that one. Then you get Dawn versus Chris in the drama. Yep. Harissa barbecue ribs. And again, he got hurt by- the charcoal grill is not going. You're not going to get flavor infused. And that's why it was a lot of glaze, not much to the meat. Um, by the way, what is he thinking? Like, like, if I had to say to you, Tom, name a messy entree in sort of the American food ecosystem. What do you say? Family feud. Top five answers on the board. Here's the question. Name a messy entree. What do you got? Ribs. Ribs. Like, number one answer on the board. <laughs> like, like, 
ribs, applause. Let's do a glazed rib. Like, what are you thinking? I mean, it's just a basic parameter. Like, I'm I'm a huge on Chris. I think he's actually a, like a really good – I think he could hang around a long time in this competition. But it's just like dense. Then Dawn does, you know, the duo of popcorn. I'm a little – I'm a Gail Simmons person, but I got to tell you. Like, I don't appreciate her. You four hours and all you give us is – popcorn you know what it's a drive-in challenge if you don't like the dish blame like she actually is the person who most conform to the nature of the challenge which is everyone's going to the movies top five answers on the board tom here's the question name a food associated with going to the movies popcorn okay so don't complain when a chef gives you really elevated popcorn. And by the way, by all accounts, it was the best popcorn these people have ever had. Yeah, Tom Colicchio grabbed Padma's uh, bag and shut, yeah. guzzled it down because he loved it so much, right? And and you, I like that. I like that Like two different cars could have two different opinions of a dish. And I don't think you're going to get that kind of contrast if they're all sitting at the same table. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point that I that I ignored, which is you're right. Like the, there is an absence of groupthink when these – judges are divided in little pods and we get to see and it's also interesting i wonder how many competitions over the years you know really good weeks where the competition was fierce were informed by groupthink um you know in deference to tom and padma because you're kind of their guests I, I i agree with you there but also this exposed just the foolishness of like what's dramatic about either of those dishes like everyone's just kind of <laughs> like it look i'm for a challenge like a thematic challenge what I'm against is something that's just so hard to achieve. Like I get the romance one, mm-hmm. like the horror one speaks for itself. I think sci-fi is actually doable, but action drama comedy. I, I'm just like, I don't know. Okay. I'll give you that. But Kevin, Kevin, what, what is the, the drama here is that Chris, and I forgot to finish the top chef stats, stats thought here. So I'll bring it in here. Chris, by choosing his team, he raises a very interesting experiment, which is, in Restaurant Wars, if you're able to make your first pick, the first pick, which seems like you have some autonomy, seems like you have some agency in picking your team, that's actually not an advantage. TopChefStats.com informs us, Kevin, that in Restaurant Wars, the team that picks first or the person who fit, picks first in Restaurant Wars building the roster only wins three out of the 13 Restaurant War competitions. That's amazing. Three out of 13. So picking first or picking your team is actually a disadvantage. And here's Chris. That's amazing. Being able to pick his team and he just completely falls flat on his face. I know he has immunity, but falls flat on his face with the ribs. And Jamie does not do well on Team Yellow before him. So it really is amazing that sometimes advantages, and I think Top Chef Stats has looked into this, is whether quick fire advantages are actually advantages. Uh, I think it does bear out overall when it goes through the wash that advantages are in fact advantages. But Chris here proves that even though you draft or choose teams, you might not have a great idea in that moment. You might get flustered and pick some team for the wrong reason. So it is actually a disadvantage to choose your team in restaurant wars or choose your your your, your squad. And here, similarly, Riello team just gets off to a horrible start with Chris and Jamie. Action is number three, Gabriel versus Maria. Uh, I thought this was just a blowout. She took so many risks. I, I don't, and they did a nice job. Of explaining just how making 60 sausages, making, is it 60 or 50? I forget. It was 50 sausages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making 50 homemade bread. And then you still have an assembly. Like, I mean, dressing a hot dog is, maybe you've got this, you, you've got the relish accompaniment. Like, like 
I thought she was insane. Yeah. Like this is you were wait you were asking to go home by biting off more than you can chew. Like I just but you know, I, I thought it was and one of the reasons I thought it was a great story is you get why, right? Like she's she's been Maria in the middle. So, you know, and it's it's getting to her. It, it's clearly getting to her. It is not fun to be on the outside of the party looking in, watching, you know, chefs go to the top three every week and just sitting back drinking a friggin' glass of wine in a paper cup waiting in the, you know, judge's chamber, you know, in the in the in the in the, in the holding tank. So, yeah, uh, she clearly wanted to make a splash. I was just like, look, don't overcorrect. Please don't. And and I really thought she was she was in trouble. But, um, you know, Gabriel, ugh, nobody. Can I say something about cauliflower? I make a nice roasted, crunchy, like popcorn cauliflower. If you can if you can roast cauliflower mm. for like an hour. Yeah. And then turn up the heat in that last 10 minutes. You know, you got a good sometimes I do garlic parmesan. Sometimes I do curry and like gramasala. But no cauliflower in any other form is really kind of lame. Nobody really likes cauliflower in any other form. Shouts to Joe Flam, who did uh, who went home for a cauliflower risotto in his season. You know why? Because nobody likes cauliflower. This this cauliflower pizza movement, this like like cauliflower couscous movement. No, it, nobody likes it. It's it. So I, I don't know what he's thinking. The yogurt sauce. Who who the hell knows with with the uh, bun bun yogurt sauce and the uh, Calabrian chili. The action that he was going for was that you're dipping. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Scintillating. Maria. All right. So you heard my phone go off a couple seconds ago. That was- That was Maria. That was nature's way of telling, talking about Maria getting the phone call home and the, the, uh, how, how emotional it was for her to see her partner and her, and her son back at home during the pandemic. And she's away from, from, uh, from her family. And that must have been, that, that must have been tough for her to watch, right? And we learned last week, TopChefStats.com, that the phone call home is actually a good thing. And so Maria, knowing that going into this episode, that phone call homes are not an ominous foreshadowing elimination, I felt kind of good about that. So, of course, she nails this dish uh, and then it goes to sci-fi, which I thought Nelson finally came through and nailed a dish. Really proud of him for this uh, sci-fi disc, you uh, unidentified Dominican object. Right, jerk pork, corn candied yam. He was really able to use sort of the, the stuff he likes to use, put it in the context of the challenge. Really good work. Nice to see him kind of, you know, pick up a W. Uh, meanwhile, poor Avishar makes arguably like the third best dish of the night. Yep. Star s'mores. Yep. Like playing with texture, doing that molecular gastronomy thing. I love when people do that with dessert. Like magic shell is a kid. Was just the coolest freaking thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, really, and again, one of the reasons I don't like these sort of head, like, Guy had the third best dish of the night. Picks up an L. Kind of not fair. Wait, 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 Kevin. We got to stop here. Danny, who is Danny? He's he's Danny on on this on Earth. Like Avishar, I, we could spend a whole episode trying to break down what this whole like. He's got this alter ego that he was introducing in this. That he's he's on this planet. He's Danny. What is this Danny thing? And then it came in the best line from the night was. When Dale Talde was watching Avishar up there explaining that his name is actually Danny on this planet, he was just like, oh, what are you talking about? Holy shit. And then he just – he just like loses it. And I felt the same way. Was What, what is Avishar? Kind of kind of, kind of next level here. Certified space cadet. Certified weirdo. I love it. I love it. I love it. It was great. I didn't really understand it, but uh, that was great. And I also, I also noted that um, – that in this in this 
episode, we got we got Nelson coming through. Avishar had a had a, a really solid dish. But then Kevin, this is my favorite part of the episode: Shota versus uh, Gabe. It should have been a heavyweight bout, but yeah. instead, it was an absolute disaster. Gabe with the very lame um, seafood uh, capuchana, which is just essentially, I think someone described it as a bloody mary with some seafood in it. Pretty good approximation, at least that that's what they thought. Uh, Shota, I still have no idea what it was. A, a bachamel is just like a milky sauce. Like, I don't even know how that's inside a dog. Uh, cheddar cheese, too conceptual, too trying to play up to the horror and not to the quality of the dish. Uh, a good chef who shouldn't make an error like that um, because he's so capable of making good food. <sighs> kind of, hey, our, guess what, Tom? Our best chefs are not infallible, and that's going to make for good drama. It is. The, you talk about parody. We have not just six different winners on this show so far um, in the five episodes. Of course, Avishar and Shota split a win earlier in this season. So no, no contestant has actually won two competitions here. And we also see them, Gabe and Shota. I think in my book, Either of them could have gone home this week. And I was really scared that Shota was going to go home this week because I thought that dish was awful. And it also was so not Shota. Like flesh. Think of like a a sashimi, something crudo, something Japanese dish. When you have a horror film, you could have have done some fleshy fish dish that would have spoken to that. Instead, he does this corn burnt. It looked like a, 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 it looked like a turd. It looked like a burnt turd that they were eating on this, on this episode. I thought it was an awful performance from both Gabe and Shota. And watching this episode, I thought maybe either of those would have gone home and that would have been an absolute stunner. So, that was a disaster. He, both of them hated it. Gabe wins technically. Um, or no, so Shota actually technically wins on this one. And Gabe is on the bottom for that round. Romance. Sarah does the milkshake with strawberry and the miso foam thing, whip, whipped cream. Miso, strawberry, miso, whip that uh, everyone really liked. Gail also had another like, eh, not the most creative dish in the world. It's, you're supposed to. Everyone loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, also, you're in a movie theater. Like this is not, uh, you know, again, uh, they're, they're the limit. It, it's okay to offer the limit or insist on the limitations, but then you can't complain about the limitations. Um, team row, team, the team wide, the green team wide medley. Everybody pitches in to the churro with chicken liver mousse, dolce de leche. I love all of those things, mm. um, but apparently the chicken liver mousse was not because it does have like a sweetness. Like yeah. the, the liver mousse to it. Apparently not sweet enough because it was really dissonant with the churro. I love me some Dolce de Leche. I will dip anything in Dolce de Leche, but apparently not that. Kevin, Sarah wins this one. And uh, I, I thought I wanted to get your take on this for the scoring. Yeah. Because I'm with you. I didn't really feel the whole group dynamic where even though um, even though uh, Sarah was on Team Yellow, I don't. I didn't think she should get docked points for being on Team Yellow when it really wasn't a team challenge. Right. And likewise, Shoda shouldn't have gotten a W. I mean, this is what I would have done. They actually volunteered who had the three best dishes, right? Like, they got them up there. It was, like, Maria, Byron, and, you know, I, I mean, I think they basically, you know, Dawn was sort of the third. But they, they, they you know, they actually made no. Like, who did they point out at the judges' table as an indication of who they thought was best? And then when they started talking about the worst dishes, they basically went to Gabriel, Jamie, and Shota, who actually got the W. 
Um, as much as I hate to see like show to dock points, like it's very clear to me those were the three quote bottom yeah. chefs. So I would have almost point wise, even though it hurts me, I think you got to give those three kind of the bottom, and the top would have been Byron, Maria, and 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 probably Dawn. Even though you could argue Abishar might have had a better dish than Dawn, everyone seemed to like Dawn other than Gail, who's like me and popcorn. All right, so we have to we have to be consistent here. Are we going to go team dishes? Here's 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 how I think we should do it. Because um, we have to be consistent, and it doesn't affect the scoring net net. But I just wanted to get your take. Should we do the winners of each round? So Shota does actually get in the top because he won that that, that round. Or should we just go teams? So I, I actually think it makes more sense if you win your round, you're in the top. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. And it's still not perfect, right? Because Shota was, right. you know, Shota was terrible and, and Avishar was great, even though they won and lost respectively but right so what, what what ends up happening is shoda and sarah get plus five for you um avishar gets a minus five so you net plus five okay in that poor guy gets a minus five it's not about my, my my scoring it's just like man i just hate to see someone cook a really good dish but just by virtue of the fact that you know they were up against the best well you gotta you gotta beat you gotta gotta beat nelson you gotta beat nelson right i defer to you on this you are the commissioner of points and and you're and you are a fair gentleman so i i I think we should do it by who won their battle um rather than who was on what team because i just think it makes i mean i don't know here here we go okay you get 13 points i get 12 points for this week uh, oh, sorry. You get 18 points. I get 17 points for this week. You extend your lead by one point in the overall scoring of this episode. Um, I just, I just think we have a flattened race here. And a quick shout out. Really cool to see Doug Adams and BJ Smith in one of the cars from Top Chef Boston. Doug, I didn't recognize him without his beard that he, his iconic beard that he had on the show. And BJ Smith from Top Chef Charleston makes an appearance. In that, uh, in the car, I guess uh, both are Portland chefs, so that was really cool to see. Um, and I just, you know, Maria and Byron are really coming through for Team Haverstrow. I'm really liking those two picks here. Uh, the trade that I made to get uh, Maria on my squad. Uh, Dawn is still doing really well. She does the popcorn, but I just, when you look at this Top Chef competition this season, I think it's all about parity. We have six winners. For five episodes, and no one has won twice in a row or two competitions, Kevin. So even though we seem to think Gabe and Shota are are doing better than the rest of the crew, it really isn't borne out in the standings. Like Shota does have twenty three, the most points of of um, anyone in the show. Then comes Gabe, and Sarah comes, or uh, sorry, Dawn coming in with seventeen points. Uh, I think what we're looking at here, Kevin is Don might actually be the favorite going into the the next rounds here because Gabe and and Shota have really fallen flat in the last couple episodes. Yeah, I mean I do think that as generally as the season progresses there's more kind of freedom and I do think that once they're sort of freed up to do their food I, I Shota and Gabe Gabriel Gabe will will be back I I, I think is, is sort of dominating I think Dawn's right there I mean I, I think other now that she's solved her time management issues I, she's been as strong as anyone let's quickly do uh quickly do last chance kitchen uh Kiki comes through with a really interesting scallop crudo over Sasha's yellowtail crudo um 
and it was a tough one, but uh, really like what Kiki did, tamarind, hot pepper, relish, avocado crema. Uh, Kiki will be an interesting chef to do in uh, in Quickfire. I, you know, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll see because she will be inheriting Jamie, who I also think could, uh, you know, if left to her own devices, could pretty put together good stuff in 20 minutes. I'm really sad to see Jamie not being in the real show, um, but yeah. it, it's – if, if I had to choose whether I was going to pick Jamie or Kiki to move on, I'm, I'm going with Jamie. Kiki screwed up a few times in this Last Chance Kitchen, but she still comes out on top because Sasha put too much sauce on her yellowtail crudo. Um, but I still just don't think she's got this thing figured out. And I think Jamie, if she does the White Castle, she's still in this competition. Uh, so I think she's going to continue on to do very well. I um, so Kiki and both Sasha are on your team, Kevin. So you get plus one, minus one for that. So it nets out to zero. And then we have a head-to-head of Jamie and Kiki for next week, which we'll recap next week. But for people who um, love Jamie, and I've called her the malarkey of this season, Kevin, we are going to have malarkey on Pack Your Knives next uh, episode to run through his top 10 power rankings of chef testants. I cannot wait for this. Very, very exciting. Um, I, that, that's that's going to be a blast. Tom, closing thoughts as we are at the top 10. I'm sorry. I love this episode. I love this competition. It is a flat competition. I don't know. I think seven different chefs could win this entire competition. And that is something you couldn't say in years past. Parody is back on Top Chef. For Tom Habistro, this is Kevin Arnovitz. And this is... Pack your knives.